Vibrant Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from the Hub. We're in a series called Shades of Grey, and we're pulling portions of the movie and teaching biblical... I'm kidding. Second time in a row. Y'all are not laughing at that. You do not laugh at that, man. We're talking about a series. Listen, in the world that we live in, right and wrong, uh, good and bad, what is the truth and what is God doing in our life? And are there shades of gray or does the principle and the standards of God's word actually, God's word actually tell us how to live in every scenario? Last week we talked about the strength of God's word and how it must be the standard. And so we're unpacking throughout this series different components where you or I might struggle or think that it's a shade of gray, but the scripture actually has a truth for that. So today I'm excited about what we're going to do. The title of my sermon today is this. You can move a little bit. That's fine. Right there. This is the title. Okay. Kill that right now. How many of you did not move when that came on? We're praying for you. Would you just hit that one more time? I want everybody just do a little move. You can do a shrug right there. Just hit it right there. I'm, I'm moving, so please. Oh, right there. Come on. You can do this right here. It's fine. Like you're driving a car with a tiny steering wheel right there. All right, kill it. Kill it. That is the title of my sermon today, only because I wanted to play that song in here. It has nothing to do with anything I'm sharing at all. We're going to be answering the question, am I a gossip? Am I a gossip? Hi, my name is, you know, the question is really, are there things that we're doing in our life that we think are okay, but really the word of God says it's not? Yeah, maybe we get quiet. This may seem silly or superfluous, but I believe, and my prayers after today, you might think a little bit differently. Yeah, is that cool? Can we do this for 25 minutes? Is that all right with you guys? Awesome. Well, listen, let me just ask you a question. We just came off a, a, a sermon last week talking about how The word of God needs to be the standard for our life. But how many of you have ever read through and just said, man, that just sounds weird. What I just read sounds a little weird. Can you just raise your hand for me? Okay, good. Listen, I'm being honest. There's some things you read. You're like, that sounds just a little bit strange. Or have you ever read and you thought, man, if I was writing this, there'd only be eight commandments. How many of you, can you, can I get an amen? How many of you wives would remove that wives submit to your husband section? Right, right. You're like, man, if I could write this thing, it would probably look a little bit different. The whole part about tithe, I'd make it 2%. That's what I would shift. If I, we, I mean, we always get quiet when we talk about that in this place. But you know, there's some passages, I'm just going to be honest, that when I read them, I, I'm like, that's just so strange. I'm trying to understand this. And then there's some passages that when you read, it's like, man, it doesn't matter what the Greek or the Hebrew word says. It doesn't matter what I'd like to interpret that as. I feel like this is pretty straightforward, right? When I grew up, in the, the home that I grew up in, my mom and dad were not your conventional parents. They did things a little bit different than most people do. And, and there was a day where my life got incredible and, and I, my parents moved our Zenith TV with the wood container around it that was, you know, 482 pounds, but the screen was only this big. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There was a zoom button and it would go and get bigger, but not better quality. It was just for people who are blind. And then, and mind you, then my life got even better when my parents gave me an Atari. Yes. How many of you remember Atari? Raise your hand. Now, the sad truth is I got an Atari when Super NES was already out. But it doesn't even matter. 
joystick and a button, right? I've never evolved. I don't know where all, it doesn't even matter. And my mom hated it. I was like, why did you give this to me? I'm playing, playing River Raid and Pitfall and getting lost in my emotions. And she would come in and she goes, I hate that thing with everything in me. Shaking like a southern woman. And I think, I, I believe you, mom. I will stop playing. I don't want you to hate this with everything in you. And I, there's something about the way that she said that. I thought, I think she hates the Atari. I don't need to guess what it is she's trying to say to me. I feel pretty confident that she hates the Atari. So I'd play at night when she was asleep. And, and uh, there's a passage of scripture I want to read to you. And I think it's pretty clear. It's pretty powerful. It's found in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 17. Check this out. It says this. There are six things that the Lord, what? Hates. You don't need the Hebrew or the Greek translation of what that word means. Hates. And seven that are an abomination to him. I feel like he's setting us up for something that is very important. And we kind of need to lean in. Listen to what he says. Number 17. Verse 17. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. Haughty eyes are just proud eyes. Like I think I'm better than you. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Verse 18. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run into evil. Number six. A false witness who breathes out lies. And this is number seven. So there are six things he hates. Then he kicks it up a notch. And he says there's one other one that is actually an abomination. I can't stand this. And that is one who sows discord among the brethren. One who sows discord among the brethren. The word discord, it, it, really what that means is like contention. We could literally take that, you break that word down, and it means whispers that separate people. Now it doesn't say someone who is discord. It doesn't say when someone literally separates a person. It says when someone sows seeds... Or plants whispers that separate friend from friend. Christ follower from Christ follower. Husband from wife. So the seventh thing that the Lord hates is when people use words that they are speaking. When we talk negatively about someone else and it brings division. And that sounds powerful, but there's one word that sums up the entirety of what that is. And it's called... Gossip. Gossip. And I think this is a shade of gray because I think it's possible that we may view this as harmless, but in reality, it's very destructive. This thing called gossip. It's something that you and I, we, we might view it as harmless, but really its destructive path leaves ripples and effects that last for generations. How many families have been broken apart because so-and-so said that someone said something else? And I believe that there's a standard for you and me. So let's look up, what is the definition of gossip? Can we do that? What's the definition of gossip? Gossip is when a person reveals personal or sensational facts about others. Another way of saying that is a rumor or report of an intimate nature. Now what's interesting is... You don't need the definition of the word gossip when you are the content of someone else's conversation. You feel me? 
Because when someone else is talking to another person about you, you don't need to go, now let me figure out, is this gossip or not? You just want to slap them in the face. Did we get holy? You've never wanted to slap somebody in the face in this place? You just think, I'm never going to talk to that person again. I don't ever want to be around that person. When the rumor mill comes back to you that she said this about what you were wearing or what you did or what you posted on Facebook or Instagram, you immediately get frustrated. Why is she gossiping about me? I don't know why you talk like that, but apparently you do. We don't need a definition when we are the content of someone else's conversation. But the challenge is that often I believe gossip is a regular part of our life. We just don't even realize it. We don't even realize this. Here's my definition. This is a simple definition of it, which means it's a fact. I'm going to put it on Wikipedia. That means it's official. If you're talking about someone who is not present and the content is anything but praiseworthy, it's gossip. If you're talking about somebody else who is not there and the content is anything else but praiseworthy, then it's gossip. Nobody will ever get mad at you for bragging about them to someone else. You will never be frustrated if you hear back that so-and-so said that they admired how you parent your children. Well, I can't believe she said that about me. You would never do that. Why? Because you think, oh, I am kind of a good parent. I have been pinning a lot of things lately, and it's been so wonderful. The other day I made this recipe of tacos with cilantro. I don't know why I'm doing this. It's not even in my notes. If you're talking about someone else who's not present and the content is anything else but praiseworthy, it's gossip. But think about what happens, moms, at the parent pickup line every day. I'm just so frustrated. This teacher, I don't understand. They're getting on to my son, but my son is, you know, perfect, obviously, came from me. I just think, I wonder, she's only been teaching for two years, and it's just kind of ridiculous. I think they should do more training for these people because this is just absolutely absurd. I know exactly what you're talking about. My daughter is also perfect. Seriously. And if there's a problem, it's obviously not my child because I birthed her. And you know what? The faculty, if they would be stricter with this teacher, I know for a fact more people would come back to this school. What's that called? Gossip. And if it's not there, where does it happen? Social media. Checking in at school, so frustrated with this. Coworkers at the water cooler. I don't know if that actually exists anymore. <laughs> What's up? I hate my boss. Me too. Let's quit. I can't. My wife said no. Man, somebody's clapping really hard right now. If they would just listen to my ideas, I've been trying to tell them for weeks that this is a problem and he is the issue. And if they would listen to me, I know exactly what I'm talking about. I said the same thing. You know what it is? I don't think they care. I don't think they care. They just have all that matters is the bottom line around here. And if they would just read my email, then we wouldn't have to stress this. And now it's all jumping down my throat because I got here five minutes late. It's not even my fault. I'm on time every day. But that knucklehead is late every single week. What's that called? Work. (laughs) Thank you. you. I'm buying your lunch. Thank you. 
Thank you. And if it doesn't happen there, it probably happens on social media. Unfortunately, sometimes connect groups can turn into this. Church folk. Now, how, why does Pastor Kerry use all those different impersonation voices? I think it's silly and superfluous. I think you're silly and superfluous. You know, when I was thinking about this, if she would just discipline her kids better, then this really wouldn't be a problem. You know, this connect group would probably be a little better if that person would actually surrender to Jesus. (laughs) Why are we laughing so hard at this? Right? And if it doesn't happen at the connect group, it probably happens on social media. Neighbors at the mailbox. My mailbox is like the hub for gossip. Like a, we have one of our smoking neighbors. <laughs> Did you hear? No. They're moving out. And I'm so glad. That's Megan. And <laughs> I made all that up. <laughs> but there's truth to it, right? <laughs> Well, they had a party for way too late, and I, you know what? They're upset that their teenager's going crazy, but maybe they shouldn't let them drink at their home. I know it's safer, but that's kind of ridiculous. I know. And their music was so loud and ridiculous, and if they would just cut their freaking lawn, trying to sell my home, but their bushes are dead. Holy crap. Side note, I went to an HOA meeting one time, and we talked for an hour about rosemary plants. Rosemary. You can buy it at Trader Joe's for like six cents. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. Are y'all tracking? Do we need more illustrations? Teenagers at a lunch table? Ticked off at this kid or that kid? Or if it doesn't happen there, it probably happens on social media. Snapchat. Mm, I hate you. What? I, I don't know. See, it's just become a part of our life, right? It just is. And we think it's probably okay. And sometimes this is the funniest thing. Christians, listen, I'm talking, right now, right now I'm talking about Christ followers, okay? So if you're here and you're not a Christian, you can just laugh at everybody else that is. But I'm talking to the person in this room who is a Christ follower for a minute. If you ever say, I want to tell you something about so-and-so so you can be praying, shut your mouth. Well, listen to what the scripture says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. This is the amplified version, which is like the chick version because they add details to it. And I love it. (sighs) Don't hate me. I said I love it. Verse 29. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk. And what does that next word say? Ever. 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 Come out of your mouth. But only speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. What's the next verse say? As is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace to God's favor. Sorry, give grace to those who hear it. It's pretty simple. God hates it when we gossip and he loves it when we speak great things about each other. He says, don't ever let unwholesome or unworthy or worthless things ever come out of your mouth. 
And yet for some reason, gossip has woven its way into the fabric of our everyday life. Of our everyday life. And the sad truth is this, that gossip actually speaks volumes about me. And I'm not just talking about the content that is in the gossip. But when I gossip, it indicates a couple of things. And one of the things that gossip indicates is that I'm not content with my life. So I'm going to be consumed with someone else's. I'm not happy with my status, with my marriage, with my finances, with the direction of my life, with my choices, with, you know, fill in the blank here. And so it's just easier at that point to be consumed with someone else's. And I think one of the clearest indicators of this is the television programs that we watch. Do you know the most watched television programs today are reality TV shows? Reality TV went from four shows on television to almost 400 in just 10 years. So much so that they've actually begun to affect how drama and comedy is produced. They now make sitcoms that emulate reality TV, such as The Office and Parks and Rec. There's no canned laughter. Listen, I love The Office. Settle down. Some of you are like, I hate this guy now. I'm talking to me, and that preacher doesn't like The Office. I hate that place. Shut up your gossiping. These shows emulate reality TV, and then we sit and don't, by the way, don't act like you've never liked a reality TV show. I know you dudes love The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, and you sit down with your woman and act like you're doing it for her. Shut your mouth. Listen, entire channels are devoted to this. I got no beef with reality TV, but the problem is, it's this place where I can be consumed with someone else's life. Millions upon millions of people tuned in to hear a man tell a story about feeling like a woman and the changes that I need to make. Then we sit down over coffee and I just can't stand her. You don't even know her. You know what Hollywood depicts about her because listen, I got to tell you, reality TV isn't even really reality TV. There are producers in the background telling them what to talk about and what to do. But we get so consumed with it. Why? Because I believe at a rudimentary level, so many of us are frustrated with where our life is. And it's just easier to be consumed with someone else's. Do you know the psychology today conducted a survey? Do you know one of the top reasons that Americans said, they watch reality TV was because they wanted to fantasize about gaining status through automatic fame. Ordinary people can watch these shows, see people like themselves, and imagine that they too could become celebrities. They too could somehow instantly change their life because where I am today is not okay with me. It's amazing. We're inundated with this. We're consumed with it. It's how we live our life. Sometimes, I, and I, I believe gossip actually births out more gossip. We get caught up into this. And then the challenge is, it, 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 let me kind of just tell you something. If you are the person who always has someone coming to tell you to talk about someone else, that's a problem too. If you are the ear 
that they want to speak to, that is the exact same problem as the one who's doing the gossiping. And then we just get around each other and we just talk about business. Consume with it. But we're frustrated with where we're at. Look what the scripture says about this. It says this. James and James 4.11, the message version says this. Don't badmouth each other. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. What's James saying here? Stop living your life to talk about or being consumed with someone else's stuff and then telling other people about it. Because if you are a Christ follower and you're doing that, you're defaming the very message of the gospel of hope. Why? Because God didn't send his son to die for us so that we could be divided but so we could be united. Not to say that we're perfect, but to say we have a mission to accomplish. And when I consumed, or even if I'm not consumed, but on a continual basis I'm talking bad about him to him, then what's happening? I'm not conveying the message of unity and trust and hope and love. I'm conveying the exact opposite. I think sometimes we're genuinely concerned about someone. Well, if they would just, I'm just worried about them. That's why I'm saying it. I just don't want them. I don't, I mean, it could be better for them. Listen to what the word continues to say. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? Stop acting like you're, you're, you're worried about them. You're just meddling. And it may be because you're frustrated with where your life is. It's like when you find two children who get into a fight. I have two kids, two girls, and sometimes they get into fights or arguments, and they get going crazy and yelling, and then we come in the room. What is the problem here? And both of the kids go, you know what, Mom, it's my fault. I was being disrespectful to her. I wasn't honoring her, and I'm so sorry. I, you know what, you've raised me better than this, and I'm, I've got some things to work on. No, they don't ever do that. What is the first thing they do when we come in there? Well, Brooklyn started it. It was her. Mom, she slapped me in the face. Yeah, that happens at our house. Stop judging me. I was just sitting here. Well, no, you weren't, right? We're so in the midst of doing things that are not appropriate and not okay. And our first response is to what? It's her. Look at Her, don't look at me. I don't want to address or adjust the problems that I'm facing. I'm frustrated with this. Look at her. It's crazy, isn't it? Here's some questions to ask yourself. Maybe maybe you are a a closet gossip and you don't know it. Or maybe maybe you, you don't do this all the time, but you can identify. You know what? That's true, man. That water cooler thing, man, or that at the at the drop off line, or man, at the lunch table, and it's true that we do talk about so and so, and we, especially with this one person, and that's kind of a part of my life. So here's some questions that you can ask yourself to identify if the conversations you're having are praiseworthy or the gossip. Look at this one: Is the conversation, or is this conversation, going to reach a healthy conclusion? If you are so concerned with how they are parenting their kids, but they're not present, the answer is no. Because you're not going to help them get better if they're not there to hear you talk about it. You track it with me. 
If you're so frustrated that your boss doesn't see what's going on inside of you and recognize your ideas, but he's not there while you're talking to your buddy about it at work, it's not going to reach a healthy conclusion. So shut your mouth. Turn to your neighbor and say, shut your mouth. Turn to your other neighbor and say, lock it up. You're welcome. Look at this next question. Is this conversation communicating unfavorable attributes about blank? Right? Is, it, is, it, is what I'm sharing unfavorable or negative about so-and-so? If it's praiseworthy, then go for it. Knock yourself out. But is it communicating something that's unfavorable or negative about blank? And if the answer is yes, then it's gossip. Look at this next question. Is this conversation communicating the principle of honor and unity? Honor. Do you know that honor has nothing to do with someone's actions or attitudes. Honor has nothing to do with someone's past, present, or future. We honor people because they were created by the Most High God. And they deserve my honor. That doesn't mean they deserve my trust. That doesn't mean they deserve my time. That doesn't mean that I need to invest my life living or being around that individual. But they do deserve my honor. So I don't care how much you can't stand your kid's teacher. You don't have a right to show a lack of honor to them around anyone else. You don't have a right to show them a lack of honor to their face. That's a biblical principle. Is it communicating the principle of unity? Why did God say I, it's an abomination when believers sow discord among each other, whispers that separate? Do you know that when two Christ followers get together, The potential that's within the two of you to change the world is insane. When three Christ followers get together, with Christ at the center, your potential grows exponentially. When a body of Christ followers, church, is surrounded and committed to unity, we actually can change the world. What's the one thing that can stop that? The Bible says, listen to this, the Bible says that he would establish his church, the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the enemy cannot stop God's purpose, but what he can do is divide us. It cuts our effectiveness down. We're unable to unlock potential inside of each other. And it silences us in the community and the culture that we live in. Are you tracking is the conversation you're having, is it communicating unity? Well, what do I do? I mean, what if there's something really wrong? What if there's really an issue? Or what if this guy really is a knucklehead or this gal or this is a challenge? Well, here, you know what we say? If you have a real concern, you need to do one of two things. Confront. You go to the person that you have an issue with and say, hey, listen, I got to, can we just talk for a moment? I'm frustrated about this. And if you're too scared or it doesn't go well, then you throw up. Not bleh. You go to a leader or a coach. Or a boss or a pastor and say, hey, how do I handle this situation? That's how you handle it. That's a biblical approach. Matthew 19 spells it out. If your brother or sister sinned against you, you go right to them. Don't be a pansy. See, that's the problem. In our culture, we don't do that. We don't. We like to act like we're all upset about it. Mm. If she was right here, you know what I would say to her? No, you wouldn't. Shut your mouth. Otherwise, you would have gone straight to her to talk to her. You track it with me? 
Now, that doesn't mean, oh, Pastor Kerry said confront. I'm going to confront him with my freaking elbow. No, that's not what I'm saying. Got to remember the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Right? But you can go, hey, listen, we got to talk. I love you and I care about you. And I believe that we're better together. But there's just one thing that I think is trying to separate. Can we talk about it? What you said, man, it really hurt my feelings. I'm really frustrated, or I think you're better than that. Game changer. And if it's something you can't just, you can't do that, then don't talk to a peer. Don't, don't talk to your kids about why you're mad at your husband. Can I get an amen? Just don't. It's going nowhere. All that does is bring what? A separation. Now, whose side am I on? Mom's? Or dads. Dad comes in and says, turn the TV off. Get in your room, do your homework. Mom says, you don't even work. So why are you trying to tell me? That's, that's bad. I'm sorry. Are, y'all, are you just tracking with me? <laughs> Confront or throw up. Confront or throw up. Let me tell you one more thing. We're almost done. When I gossip... It indicates I desperately need affirmation and validation. Why, why do we gossip? Except to tell people how amazing my opinion or thoughts on the matter are. Right? Don't look at me. I, I'm not happy with where I am in my life. I'm frustrated, but I've got ideas. Listen to me. Somebody tell me how... Man, you are so smart. You should have been the one leading. You should be the one running things around here. You know what? You should go talk to the principal. When I gossip, it indicates that I'm desperately in need of validation and affirmation. Do you know what a sister kind of dovetails right into gossip is? It's a judgmental attitude. Judgmental attitude. Kind of just follows hand in hand. With the spirit of gossip. Listen to what judgmental attitude is. It's arriving at a conclusion as to the motive of someone else's actions. You know why she did that? Because she's so upset with her marriage that she has to come in and do... Do you know why the teacher... That teacher doesn't even care. She's just here for a paycheck. Like you know the confines of another human's heart. And yet, for some reason, when we gossip, this judgmental attitude and this whole thing goes hand in hand. And we assume that we know what someone else is thinking or feeling. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a place where someone assumed what your motive was and it was wrong and it was so frustrating to you? Someone read you wrong. And you were so angry. Yes. You obviously don't even know me. I would never do that. But yet we turn around and do that to other people. Another definition for a judgmental attitude is having or displaying an excessively critical point of view. Always finding what's wrong. Always seeing the problems. Always pointing out other people's faults. Why do we do that? Why do we get overly critical? Why do we get consumed with other people's lives? I believe it's one of two things. We are frustrated with where we are or we're in desperate need of affirmation and validation. Would somebody, would somebody just tell me that I'm okay? 
that I'm doing all right, that I'm on the right track. Would somebody just let me know, man, listen, it's not perfect, but that's okay. You're a great parent. It might not be perfect now, but you're going to be okay. That's what people want, isn't it? To be known and to be needed. You're a great husband. Do you know, I believe one of the key contributing factors to people who get caught up in an affair or adultery is not just the simple idea of lust or wanting to be with someone intimately. I believe that the key contributing factor to adultery and affairs is a vacuum of affirmation. An environment that is full of criticism and frustration. There's a vacuum, a void of affirmation. For some reason, we get so caught up with other people's problems and issues and we stop paying attention to ours. And the Bible has this very, very specific standard about being judgmental. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 says this. This is the message version. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures and criticize their faults. The English Standard Version says, Judge not, lest you be judged. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugliest sneer on your own. Look at the next verse. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by your own contempt? This whole thing, traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. We're so consumed with everyone else's life. We're so worried about what's happening or not happening. And the truth is, I believe at a rudimentary fundamental level, we're frustrated with where we are, where my life is, where my life is headed. If you have a real issue, then confront them about it or throw it up. Go to a boss, a teacher, a pastor, a leader, a coach. But I think one of the best ways to silence gossip and a judgmental attitude in our life is to focus on me. What's an area that I need to change? The idea of wiping the smudge off my neighbor's face when I've got a sneer all over mine. Or another version says, why are you trying to take the splinter out of the eye of your friend when you've got a log in your own? So maybe the best way to to challenge this and this this shade of gray that may have become a major part of our life is to stop focusing on somebody else, but to identify what are the areas that I need to work on and start taking steps in that direction. You know what? I've got to be a better husband. You know what? I could be a better employee, get here on time and bring my ideas in a constructive way and encourage my coworkers and maybe encourage my boss. And stop complaining about what he or she is not doing. You know what the teacher's having problems? I'm going to volunteer and get in that classroom and be a support to her. And write her a letter to let her know she is awesome because I know she gets all the other emails. 
You know what? Maybe, just maybe, if we started with affirmation with our spouse and our friends, reminding them of how awesome they are and the potential that they have in God, and started focusing on the thing that I need to change, I wonder if gossip would not even be an issue anymore. Because we'd be more concerned with the areas that I need to work on and less concerned about the challenges that you face. What if we took inventory of our conversations by asking the question, is this praiseworthy? Why don't we unencumber our life with the details of everyone else's? And and what would happen if I let God work on me and I let God work on you? I wonder if instead of separating the brethren, as the scripture calls, the body of Christ, the church, I wonder if it would bring unity. I wonder what it would look like if a church was less focused on the faults of other people and more focused on becoming more like Christ and not saying, hey, you can do and be whoever you want to be. Your sin is fine. But saying, hey, this is an okay place to not be perfect because none of us are. We're all just working on getting better. If we're going to clap, let's clap. Come on. I wonder what would happen. Wouldn't you want to go to a church like that? Wouldn't you want to be in an environment where you're praised and affirmed for working on getting better instead of slapped and beaten because you've got faults or a past? Wouldn't you want to be a part of a community like that? I know I would. Is it possible that something that we think is normal actually has a very destructive path and it's called gossip? Is it possible that some of us have got to make some changes in the conversations that we have? Take it out of that shades of gray, it's kind of an okay thing and realize that God has a better plan. Amen? God has a better plan. Let's build a community that everyone wants to belong to. And when someone comes to you to gossip, whether it's about your kid's teacher, your husband, or a coworker, or someone in this church, say, listen, we don't do that here. If you've got a beef, you go talk to them. And if you can't settle it, go talk to Pastor Carrie. Because the truth is, I'm not perfect either. And we're okay with that because we're all working to get better. Can I get an amen for that? Let's build that intentionally. Let's work on the things that God wants us to work on. Let's be praiseworthy and bring affirmation and validation. What if we were the most affirming church in all the state of California? I don't think anyone would say, I hate going there. Everyone's so happy and nice to me. Actually, we did have one guy say, I can't come. Everybody's too cheerful. I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. We're not going to change that. Right? Let's make some changes and let God do what he wants to do in our lives. Amen. Hey, I, I want to talk to a couple of you who may be here today. Maybe, maybe you're not really sure where you are in your faith. You're trying to figure out how does this whole thing with God and Jesus work. And, I mean, you don't have to do a lot of soul searching on it. It's real simple. You might feel a gap or separation between you and God, and that's okay. That, that's kind of normal. The Bible talks about it. It says it's a sin gap, and it's a separator. It makes me feel like I can't connect to who God is. 
And the truth is, you're not the only one who has or may be experiencing that. that the Bible says that everybody has sinned. I have sinned. You have sinned. We've all sinned. And we're in desperate need to, to remove that. Why? Because sin is a consequence. And you get that. Because if you speed past a police officer, there's a consequence that comes your way. But the Bible offers a radical solution. We call it the good news. God sent Jesus to live on this earth a sinless life. And he paid the ransom and the price and the consequence for your sin in mine. It's a free gift of salvation. It shuts the gap between us and God. Makes it to where we can make it through this life experiencing the fullness and the hope of all that he has to offer in an eternity with him. You don't have to do anything to earn this. You can't come to church enough. You can't get good enough. You can't erase your past enough. It is a free gift. You don't have to change anything before this moment. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I give you my life. And he'll give you the strength to work on everything else. But it is a decision that you have to make. If you're here today and you've never made that decision, we're not going to embarrass you or ask you to get out of your seat, but I'm going to pray a prayer. And the Bible says that if you just repeat that after me and believe it in your heart, that in that moment, God will close that gap and come into your life in a powerful way. Some of you are in this room, you've been running from God, and today's the day to come back. And we pray this prayer right where you're seated. Just mean it from the bottom of your heart. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. No one moving around or getting up. I'm going to ask everyone in this room to repeat this out loud with me so no one is embarrassed. But if you're here and you never prayed this prayer, the day's the day to come back. I want you to mean it from the bottom of your heart. Everybody repeat this prayer after me to say, dear God, come on, dear God, I know you're real. I know you love me. You've given me purpose. But there's sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you. For sending Jesus to pay the price for me. And everybody in this room, just repeat this phrase. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com. Or, we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Until next time, Orange County.